Father, I just thank you today that we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise. You enter into our lives in a powerful way. And you are here. You hear the cries of your people. You know the situations that are represented in this room. And I pray, Father, that they would experience the grace of God in a powerful way today. Every single heart would be touched, would be softened to your presence, to your touch. And that there would be a realization that, God, you have called us for such a time as this. That every situation that you allow into our lives not by chance, and it's not to destroy us, it's to build us in the faith, it's to bring us into the, the realization of the perseverance that you've given us, that's in us, and we didn't even know it was there, Lord. And sometimes when the sin surfaces, sometimes when all that work of the flesh comes out, Lord, it is your work to get it out of us. It's your sanctifying process, it's your way of exchanging our life for the life of Jesus. So let us not be moved, but let us move out of the way and let you live. Let us, let us turn aside from every besetting sin and every stumbling block that we've fallen over enough times and run this race without any more weights, without any more hindrances. If you give us the strength, if you give us the grace, we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, if you would like to turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to start in Mark chapter 1 today. And you can see up there on the screen that there's a little presentation that I have for everybody at this service. So uh, I hope it will be a blessing to you to hear about what this body has been doing in the past year. Can everyone, can you see that or are the lights a little bit bright? I don't know if we can maybe even get a little bit better view if, if they dim. Because we're not going to be looking at uh, too many scriptures, but I do want to start in Mark chapter 1. And this rather well-known passage here. Thank you so much. Um, it's just, Mark is, is jumping right into the action, and it says that in verse 14, John had been arrested, John the Baptist, and it says, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now keep that in mind. Jesus knew that he's dealing with people that know something about fishing. I don't know a lot about fishing. I know a little bit about gardening and farming now, and I can really relate to the parables that Jesus talks about sowing seed and reaping a harvest and how that works. And I've, I've taught a little bit about that in the past, how that works with the kingdom of God and evangelism. But let's flip the script here a little bit to fishing. Jesus realizes there are fishers. Okay. And he says in verse 17, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. So how many of you in here like to fish? It's, it's either relaxing, or you enjoy the opportunity to, to, to catch and get the fresh fish straight from your hook to your table. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so, so fishing can be enjoyable for them. It was a livelihood for some people around the world. It is their next meal. And if they don't catch anything, they don't eat. So it, it has different levels of significance, but think about fishing for a second. Why Jesus would transition from, okay, you're fishers. I'm going to make you become fishers of men. That is something worth pondering. If you're going to fish for people, meaning you're going to soul win, you're going to go after men, 
in the same sense that you go after those fish with all your passion, with all your resources, spending a lot of time and a lot of effort because you want to haul in a great catch. Well, how can Jesus make us fishers of men? Well, I don't know a lot about fishing, like I said, but I, I would say, for one thing, you've got to have water if you're going to go fishing, right? And you've got to have something in the water. So some kind of a body of water is necessary to, to fish. Um, and you're going to probably go back to the same body of water if you have a good experience there, if it's not too far away, right? You find a lake or a pond or a stream or the Gulf of Mexico or someplace where you have a great experience fishing and you catch a lot of fish, it's worth your time, you enjoy what you caught and they taste great, you're going to go back uh, time and time and time again. I think one of the things that's significant about this is that as fishers of men, we need to have a pond that we are focusing on. Okay, and you can try different places, just like you would with fishing, and you may say, uh, didn't, didn't catch anything there, or it's too much trouble to get to that place, or uh, didn't like the fish that <laughs> found there, but you can, you can find another place, and you're like, ah, this, I'm drawn here, I'm going to go back here, and, and some people get up on a Sunday morning instead of going to church, they're getting up at 4 a.m., going to get the bait, the tackle shop, and then they're going to go out and, and fish uh, all morning, and they'll say, you know, I'm spending time with God in nature. But the reality is you're alone, you're off in a boat somewhere, and the fish is not the body of Christ, right? The fish cannot pray for you, they cannot uh, speak into your life, you can't edify them with the Word of God. You need to be around people, you need to be around the body of Christ. And he was transitioning them from being around a lot of fish, a few fishermen, to suddenly seeing the world as their pond. The world as, in, in Revelation Isaiah, it talks about the sea of humanity, um, that is the way God often looks at this world. It's just a sea, gobs and gobs of people. And yet, for us, that's overwhelming. How can we possibly make an impact on the whole world? It's like, uh, you know, looking at the ocean and saying, how am I ever going to catch all the fish in that ocean? But God instead says, no, I'm not going to give you that as your goal. I'm just going to give you a local pond somewhere that you can minister to. And I wanted to, to bring this to your attention. If you're new here or... Uh, maybe it's worth mentioning again that there are several ponds that our church, at First New Testament Church, we uh, regularly fish into, okay, being fishers of men. Uh, some of the fishing ponds start with this neighborhood. So they go out door to door sometimes. They have the Cedar Crest uh, apartments across the street where they've done outreaches on Saturdays. There's the ESL group that has really caught on with a lot of the immigrant community around here on uh, Mondays and Tuesdays. And that is an awesome pond, so you could very much make an impact on the community around our church. And we want them all to know we're here and would welcome them if they would come here. But there's also the inner city outreach, so going beyond here to the Palm Apartments. It was a good testimony yesterday of what happened there with Brother Joe Allman and his group. Um, there's the women's prison ministry led by Ms. Marcel, and there's men's prison ministry led by Andrew Wilkes. So if you're called to minister to those who are incarcerated, uh, that is a very needy pond, but also not scary. Some people think it is, like there's a lot of sharks and things in the water. No, it's a wonderful place where you would really, you know, find uh, the Lord moving if you would put in the effort to go visit the least of these. And of course, one more pond that, that we probably heard a lot about is the Delta Abortion Clinic that Bailey has been leading um, us in for, for months now on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. That one does have a few scary fish in the water. <laughs> if you go out there, you need to be prepared. You should talk to some people that have been there before before you wander out there, just because there's so many 
things that are different about it, but it's a very needy place. Hopefully somewhere that we will not be going, that, that, that pond is, uh, I believe, is going to dry up very soon. <laughs> so praise God. Yes, let's keep, keep praying to that answered prayer. Isn't it amazing that we're actually on the precipice of seeing that place shut down and the whole state of Louisiana being free from abortion? Uh, there's a lot of things going on right now to, to bring that to pass right now, Sue. Praise God. But until then, uh, they need, need people to go out there and fish for souls and to try to save these babies. Well, I have a pond that uh, God has called me to, and not myself alone, but many others. And you see there, the picture is actually the lakes of LSU. And uh, if you want to, we'll start a little PowerPoint presentation here. This is actually the end of the year as far as LSU is concerned, uh, because the semester just ended. So the 2021-2022 school calendar has come to an end. Graduation start next week. And uh, I wanted to give everyone just a little update on how things are going out there at LSU, because you probably hear about Wendy and the worship night and different things. Sometimes we have a tailgate uh, outreach. But uh, as, I, as I just said, the Lord put this on my heart a couple weeks ago and Lee asked me to speak. Um, I really wanted to see what has been going on uh, as far as just seeing it in numbers, seeing it in faces and peoples and countries. And uh, it's blessed my heart, encouraged me to get back out there again as soon as we can and do some more uh, fishing at LSU. So we're going to look at the, the first thing that I want to talk about is actually how we got started here. We, you know, Danielle has been leading uh, evangelistic efforts downtown Baton Rouge, and then we would switch over to LSU on game days for football games. We even go to the basketball games, uh, pass out gospel tracts as the people were coming and going. And that has been uh, something that we've been sowing into the campus there, just where a lot of people were, Okay. For years and years and years. Uh, Billy McEnroy and I would go out there, uh, though, on lunch break sometimes in about five, six years ago and start just handing out tracks directly to students and seeing how that was going. And that was very encouraging. They love uh, uh, Billy. He's just a grandfatherly figure, and no student's really going to turn him down when he comes with the love of Christ and offers them something in Jesus' name. And so we were doing that for a while. And then um, Wendy was touched by the Lord, if you want to go ahead, to the... Uh, the burden as she was working at LSU, uh, I believe it was in 20, yeah, October 2019, she was walking around the campus on her lunch break, overheard some ladies, some young ladies talking about what they had been doing that weekend, and I guess it reminded her of her years as a student at LSU, and the brokenness, and the bondage to sin, and the lack of a relationship with Christ, and it gave her a burden to say, what can I do to reach girls like I was, and, and girls like I just overheard, um, and the Lord put on her heart to write her testimony out, and she has a great testimony. She started printing it out 50 at a time, asked a few of us if we'd like to join her on, a, on the lunchtime break, and we would just take these 50, they're front, like, kind of like this, front and back um, testimonies, and just walk up to students and say, hey, we have something for you, would you like to take it? And you know, the reception was kind of, uh, was kind of yeah, sometimes no, sometimes. Um, but we would get those 50 out, probably about 30 minutes to an hour, and then be done and say, okay, we'll do it again next month. So it started small. And then a couple other ladies said, we'd like to add our testimonies to the mix too. So they did that. And what's so great about the testimony bag opportunity is that if you've ever tried to witness to people, uh, especially strangers, you know, the hardest thing is to break the ice 
to get to where you want to take the conversation from where, where they are, just thinking about the world, you know, oh, the weather, how's the weather today? It's pretty hot, you know, or uh, did you see the game last night, or how's your family doing, and so forth. But to make that intentional switch to the spiritual realm is sometimes the thing our flesh is resisting, and we feel, I, I don't even know how to get there. And we're trying to be kind, trying to love them to Jesus with our smile and with our interest, but that's not going to do it. You've got to preach the gospel for someone to be saved. And how do you get there? How do you even start into it without them just shutting you down in an awkward moment? Well, what the thing is, this is awkward, I guess, to go out with a little uh, testimony and hand it to somebody at LSU. But what we found is that a student sometimes will even stop. They'll take it. I mean, most of the students will take it. And uh, many of them uh, will just walk on and say, thank you. But about 5 to 10% of them, I think, will stop and ask you what's in the bag. Or what's this about? Something different, okay? Um, now, they're, they're not the little white pieces of paper anymore. We have these fancy uh, purple and gold. You say I wore my purple and gold today, <laughs> today, which I don't normally, I would not usually do that. Um, this, is, this, is, this is what we hand out now. And um, it's, it's something different. And, we, you know, you can see almost the candy is, is visible. So there's candy in there. And there's some other good things, which we'll talk about in a second. They'll take it, but a lot of times they're busy going on to class. But if they'll stop, you have an entrance right away into the spiritual because they're going to say what is in it. And you can immediately start talking about the things of God, which is in the back. So no beating around the bush necessary. And that's what I love about this outreach is that it's going to be uh, so quick. If you're ready to talk about spiritual things and you want a place to do it, this gives you the, the platform to do it. So we started doing this in 2019, then the pandemic hits in March of 2020, and LSU just like shuts down. At first we were going out there and we, we switched from taking out the testimonies to taking out this like, like prophetic word that Lee had been speaking to, uh, to the church and to the world about what was going on with the pandemic. We printed it out, we started handing it out to people, but you know, they didn't know what was going on with COVID because like, it contagious through paper, so some people were like, oh, no, 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 no. And, and so we had a little trouble there in 2020 getting to the students, um, but nevertheless, being outdoors as we are made it one of the first places we could come back to as soon as there were students on campus, So, but it was much more sporadic. Um, it would be more of like just a handful here and there. Conversations could take place, but you didn't see the stream of students going in front of the union back and forth from classes like we had before, but we did notice this. As you would begin to, to meet a, a student from anywhere, could be in the United States, could be Louisiana, could be around the world, they were noticeably more receptive to taking the bags and hearing the gospel. Something was shaken in their life, something that they did not anticipate coming so soon. Mortality was all around them, and they were thinking about their own mortality, they were thinking about the hope of their future, they were wondering, what is God doing, if there is a God, what, what does he have to say to me in this situation, and there was a shift which has never let up since the pandemic. You think the pandemic was all bad news. No, it actually had a good effect as we would go out to LSU. And so noticing that when we started back in the fall semester of 2020 and classes began to be more in person again at LSU, we said we're going to go out more than once a month. We're going to go once a week and then it became twice a week on our lunch breaks. And uh, by then we had accumulated more testimonies. So there was just more opportunity. Even someone said, I got one last time. I said, well, here, this is one that you haven't had before. <laughs> and so we were able to, to share more and more bags. And in the last two years, we've handed out about, on average, this is according to Wendy's uh, calculations, on average between 400 and 600 bags per month to students from the USA and all over the world. So that's, yeah. I get this. 
So this amounts to over 10,000 bags in a pandemic that we've been able to reach students with, each including a gospel-centered testimony, candy, a contact information for our church here. Let's see, this testimony says on it, Hi, my name is Lakin. Okay, I was trying to find it there. So we have Lakin, we have, we have Marcel, Bill Nipper, uh, Chris uh, McCulloch, and then there's the candy, and there's also these, lately, we've been putting these uh, little million-dollar Gospel of John's. They have a, a gospel explanation in the front of it. They're just incredible. And we got them all for free from Living Wars. We have over a thousand of these. And we've been putting them in the bag and just uh, really covering the campus, canvassing the campus with the gospel. Um, but think about that. 10,000 bags have gone out. LSU is a, a campus population of over 30,000 people, so we haven't even hit half of them yet. But nevertheless, what started with just a few each month is now reaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds every month. And uh, I'm going to tell you more about the fruit, but let's go on to the next slide. Um, it's not just the, the candy and the testimony. We've given out thousands of copies of the Gospel of John, the Book of Romans, other Christian literature. And this is the most important countless conversations about knowing Jesus. I mean, it's not countless. We, we just don't know how many it's been because um, each of us have been doing this for, for a couple of years now. But hundreds and hundreds of conversations, and these are conversations are where the seed is really planted. I mean, yes, they take the bag and they have the, the gospel material, and we know that they'll take it with them. We rarely see it, like, just tossed aside or put in the trash can. It goes with them to their dorm room, to their homes, to their cars, to their classes, but it's those conversations that it opens up when they're able to stop that I treasure uh, more than anything else. So I want to show you a few pictures. You can kind of see what's going on here of the outreaches. In the foreground is a sign that uh, we took out that week, and you can't see what it's on the sign, but it actually said free hot chocolate. This was back in February when it was a little chilly out. And uh, so normally we don't set up a table out there. We don't need to. We're not a campus life organization, but... This week we wanted to actually really draw people over to us, so we had the table with the hot chocolate, and students would come by and get it, and we'd give them the bag and everything like that, and they were really thankful uh, to have that. But you can see it wasn't just the table. In the background, there's at least three conversations going on right then from people from our church that are ministering about the gospel. They have the bags, they're talking about what's in it, they're talking about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what goes on every single time that we head out to LSU. Um, Here's Nicole, Caitlin, ministering to students. Um, we, when we do walk away from the, the free speech area, we usually go in pairs, just like they did in the Bible days. So you're not alone out there. Uh, I certainly don't like to be a lone ranger. So I, I we encourage you, if you uh, feel led to go out there and you haven't before, to know that you're not going to be doing this by yourself. You can stand and one person can be talking, the other one can be praying, or back and forth it goes. But it, go ahead. Uh, it, it, it's just an example. There's... Ben McEnroy and his wife Bethany, and they're talking to a student there. And we've just seen a lot of fruit from the opportunities that we have to talk to people. You say, well, where are they? Where are the students? Why are they not here? I don't, I don't know them. Why are they not in church here? Well, there's, there's reasons why you may not see all the fruit here at First New Testament. But nevertheless, uh, God has been showing us that he's making a difference. He's making an impact. Um, and we'll show you about that. So this is, this is a Valentine's Day. Uh, for the last f several years, the ladies have been getting some roses together and going out there and giving uh, the lady students roses on Valentine's Day. You see there, they really received that well. I think that's Taylor and Nicole handing it out. And then we also can go on the parade grounds, which is just off the uh, main student union area, 
And uh, sometimes we'll walk up to some students who are just sitting there having a picnic lunch or just studying. And, you know, we can hand them a bag and they might say thank you very much. But sometimes they'll actually invite us to sit down, talk with us. Here, have some food with us. You know, they're extremely receptive in many cases. This is a Chinese girl um, who had never known the gospel before. Nicole got to share it with her. In the background, there's two other guys that were also from China. Got to talk and minister to one of them, and uh, he told me his name. I said, I can't pronounce that. Do you have an American name? He said, no, not yet. I said, well, I'm going to give you one, Charlie. He liked it. He said, okay, I'll be Charlie, you know, because <laughs> usually they have an American name that you can pronounce, and, and Charlie, uh, he, he had, it, strangely enough, he didn't believe in God, he said, but he had been invited to a Chinese church recently, a uh, Bible study, and they were studying through the book of Ephesians, and uh, so I said, wow, that's deep, man. That, that's, how, are you understanding? He says, it's hard. It's hard, hard to comprehend it. But God had set him up already so that I could speak into his life about Jesus and to try to clarify what the gospel really was. And he took some literature, and it was just, it was just a very encouraging moment, and we have those all the time. Now, I want to give you the testimony of this young lady who's there with Wendy, in Wendy's own words, um, because Wendy has been uh, blessed with a new baby, as you probably knew the last few weeks, and so uh, she's not here this morning, but this is Savannah, and here's a testimony. Uh, Wendy says, we want to thank you all for your continued prayers. Today was such a blessed time out there. God really allowed us to see how he's been working, and uh, Tuesday and today, we ran into students who we've met in the past and had conversations with. When we talked with them in the past, they didn't respond to what we were sharing or seem to receive it at all. However, we've run into these same students again recently, and they told us about how they have turned to Jesus and started going to church or campus ministry since their conversations. Amen. All glory to God. And look at what he did. The students' names, and it was just in one day that we met three that like, like this. The students' names were Richard, Ty, and Savannah. And please keep them in your prayers. And this is Savannah. She was a student who we met on the parade grounds last spring. She talked with us but didn't seem to receive anything. Her beliefs were very new age. Today, this is about eight months later, I think, uh, we ran into her again. She shared that after the conversation last spring, she thought about what we talked about and started reading scripture. She also went to Bethany Church and responded to an opportunity to receive Christ. She's been going to that church, and she agreed to meet up again soon. So praise the Lord. And I think Wendy and her have stayed in contact, and it's just been beautiful. We see Savannah every once in a while. Her whole countenance has changed now because, you know, she's, she's following Christ. So, praise God for, for that, and here's another picture. I didn't know they were taking this, but I'll, I'm going to share you a testimony of uh, Drake and me praying with these two students, uh, whose names were Jacob and Cece. It's back in November. Um, when we offered the gospel bags to Jacob and Cece, they said they had received them before and had been blessed by them, but they stopped long enough for us to encourage them to take another one, since we have several different testimonies. So I asked if they were Christians, and they both said yes, but it turned out... They're actually Catholics from Zachary and practicing, but they had some doubts about the teachings of their church. They, they voiced that right away, which is good. So it's not questions about Christianity, it's questions about the Catholic take on Christianity. And we meet, of course, a majority of the students at LSU come from a Catholic background, I would have to guess. And that doesn't automatically mean they're Christian, you understand. Just like if someone said, I grew up Baptist, doesn't mean they're Christian. So we dig a little deeper and it's by asking questions that we find out who are we dealing with here, okay, and, and, and how to best approach the situation. Um, but they were already doubting some things about the church, which were gospel-centered questions that were good. So after getting several bags, they had actually talked previously with Nicole and Caitlin, and these spiritual conversations really bore fruit on this particular day. 
They both recognized their need for salvation from God's judgment as we began to minister through the law. Now you can go back. And the law of God is a beautiful opportunity to show people what sin is, to show people how you cannot be saved by your own goodness or by your own righteousness because God's standard is so high that if you transgress at any one point, you're guilty of it all. And yet we've all transgressed in all the points, some point, in some way in our life, spiritually or, or, or otherwise. And so in ministering this to these people, they realized they needed salvation from God's judgment. And Cece actually prayed in her own words. I, I don't always lead someone in prayer. I, I asked her, would you like to pray? And she prayed a beautiful prayer of repentance in her own words, asked Jesus to come into her life. He uh, is eager to follow up with some Christian students. I know Wendy has been in contact with Cece and the guy there, Jacob. I've, I've stayed in touch with him. So this is, uh, yeah, thanks. And this is just what we're looking at uh, for, for fruit, although it doesn't happen every time we go out there, we don't pray. I mean, you think about it, These kids are right in the middle of their peers. Students are streaming by, back and forth, people that know them. And since the pandemic, I, I haven't found hardly any students that's ashamed to, be, to have prayer or talk about these things. I mean, it's like they realize this is serious. Life and death is, is, is here. The world is shaken. And these people say they know God. Okay, I'm, I'm open to, to, to hearing. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, this gentleman. His name is uh, Ivan, uh, but he's known as the Jesus Talk guy. He's been going out to LSU for 16 years, uh, sitting there at Free Speech Alley and just puts a second chair up there that says, if you need prayer, uh, you can come sit. He'll pray with the students. He'll minister to them. He'll counsel them. Uh, just a wonderful man of God. He's actually in his 80s now. And he still goes out there faithfully. Went out there all the time during the pandemic too. Just fearless and, and so gracious. And we, of course, became good acquaintances with him because we're out there a lot. And um, Ivan told me one day recently, he said, you know, I've, I've been seeing a lot of ministries, a lot of Christian ministries come and go. Some have a bad reputation, you know, because they come and they shout at the students and they stir up a lot of trouble. And that doesn't, doesn't bring any good results. And there's other ministries that are genuinely trying to reach students. They set up a table there and they ask the students to come to the table, but we've just decided from the beginning we're, we're not just sitting at a table. We're going to walk around and go up to people with the love of Christ, with a smile. As they say no, that's fine. We'll still love them, but he said, I've never seen a ministry as effective as y'all's in doing outreach here at LSU. And I'm, I was just blown away that God has done something like that in just a matter of two years because you know, we have been looking for ways to reach LSU and the, especially the international community uh, for a long time now. And God is doing it. And we just want to grow even more into this because we don't believe like we've arrived at where we're supposed to be at LSU with the 35,000 people that are there. Um, we're, just, we're just scratching the surface. I hope this will encourage you and that you will pray about what you can do as well. Um, the good thing about the bag ministry that, that Wendy uh, led us in is that it's transferable to other campuses, to other places. So here we are at Southern University. Just recently, we had the opportunity to go there and to minister um, the gospel uh, in uh, coordination with the BCM at Southern. So there's a young man who just took over the position as the, the Baptist uh, campus minister at Southern University. Uh, Felix and Andrew have known him. He's uh, solidly biblical. He loves um, the Lord, and he wants to reach the student population there. And so uh, he asked us to come and partner with us. And so we said, well, this is our method. We come out with these. Now, we didn't bring the purple one. We, we changed the purple to blue, so we had southern blue and, and gold bags. And, uh, but the, the material inside of it was the same. And so um, we gave out, I believe, 400 
gospel bags, and that one day, the students at Southern University, uh, Gospel of John's were in each one of them. Uh, here's the table the BCM set up right there in front of the student union. And we just canvassed the campus, and it was, they were really open to us and very receptive. And so praise God for that, you know. And that's just the first time we've gone there, but yet we reached 7 to 8% of the student population in one day. And you hear the news of uh, a cheerleader who took her life at Southern just the other week, um, sent shockwaves through the community. And this is, this is the reality of every campus that we could go to, is that there are students on the precipice of suicide and just giving up on life, giving up on God, um, harming themselves or harming others. And you never know. You can't tell by just looking at someone where they, where they are. Um, but God wants to reach those people. And He can, and He has. So many times we hear in the midst of talking to someone and sharing with them, they'll say, you know, I used to go to church. I was raised in church. I used to know the Lord or I love the Lord, but I've just gotten cold. I've gotten away from Him. I haven't been to church since the pandemic started. And I, I don't even know how to get back. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? You know, and God loves these people, and he wants these students to know him and not fall away like the statistics suggest that they will. Certainly not end in suicide. So this is why we go, and we're going to be going back to Southern again in the fall, Lord willing, and doing it again. Um, God is, is faithful. Now back to LSU. This is a picture of the BCM International Dinner. Uh, this is from Thanksgiving uh, week the Monday before Thanksgiving this past year. It's their most well-attended dinner. They had well over 100 international students all over the world. And we have been privileged to serve there. I say we, there's, there's a group of us from FNT Church. Drake really uh, was already involved there, Drake Mollison. He got word out to us that, hey, they would like other churches to send Christians and whatever your age to, to sit at these tables. You see how the tables are set up? And they want a few American Christians at each table to be in the midst of the international students because not only did they share the food and the love of God, but that night they had a gospel presentation uh, that was given before all these students while they were eating. And uh, then after that conversation, you know, you're to talk to the people about, again, you don't have to make an awkward shift to, oh, how are you doing? Where are you from? How's the state of your soul? You don't have to do that kind of an awkward shift to um, spiritual matters. It was already presented. So the, the conversation went forth. It's over. Now we sit at the table and we just ask them, what do you think about that? Or have you ever, uh, you know, been to a church before or whatever? I was sitting at a table where I got to talk to a Filipino from, uh, from one of the uh, islands, and he said he was Catholic and he had not been born again. Another guy at the same table was from Nepal, and he was Hindu. But we got to talk with both of them about what it meant to receive Christ and how, how the, why it was important. Uh, so these are the opportunities that are presented at the, at the international dinner and uh, see there, they're serving the food, the students, and on the right, in the yellow shirt, is Steve Masters. He's the gentleman that has led the Baptist Campus Ministries at LSU for well over 30 years. I think Lee knew him when Lee was a student at LSU, so you know, he's been there a long time, and like I said, he is so welcome, he's so uh, open to having us serve there. If you can join us, you can't join us maybe at noontime, okay, um, but this is from 5 to 6 on a Monday night, and we're going to be starting back with the International Dinners first Monday in June. Uh, FNT is actually serving the meal the second Monday. So we, we need help when we do things like that. It's, a, it's just a very friendly, relational type of ministry. There's no pressure on it, and you're not going to get any pushback from the students um, if you share Jesus with them. But um, the powerful thing is that through 
this ministry, we have reached people from all over the world. One more example. Um, this is Drake and, and me standing there with, uh, at, the, at the BCM with two gentlemen from Afghanistan. So we were passing out bags in front of the union just uh, about a week or so ago, and I gave one to this gentleman in the black shirt who was sitting on one of the benches uh, eating some french fries, and he said uh, something to me, very broken English, and I thought at first he was maybe Hispanic. I could tell he worked there because he had, he had the LSU dining services on his shirt, um, so I knew he wasn't a student, but I realized now he was probably from overseas in the Middle East. I couldn't quite understand what he was saying, so he got a few more words out, and he said, Afghani. I said, oh, it's a refugee probably, and he is. He's a refugee from Afghanistan after the crisis there and the Taliban swept in. They, so many of them have been scattered all over the world, even without their families, just to get out, just to survive. And uh, I, I showed him, I had a few Bibles on hand. I showed him one that was in Arabic and to see if, if he, he said, no, I can't read that. He said, Farsi, Farsi. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I know that. That's the Persian language that the Iranians speak, but apparently he speaks it too. And so I said, five minutes, five minutes. And I, I hightailed it over to the BCM which is more than a five-minute walk. I should have told him 10 minutes. But anyway, uh, I said, I can get you a Bible in Farsi, I think. I'm praying. I'm praying, God, I hope they have one at BCM. So <laughs> I send Drake a text. He's off having a conversation with someone else. I said, Drake, uh, I'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm going to get this Afghani guy a Bible. And I get to the BCM, and they have all these Bibles on the shelves, but none of them say what they are. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know what this is. This looks like it could be Farsi. This could be Arabic. And they <laughs> I don't know why they, they print these Bibles. They have a little English thing in the front that says, printed in the Uni- United States or whatever, but they don't say what the translation is. Like, we're supposed to know? So anyway, I don't know. I grab three of the Bibles, and I rush back, and Drake calls me while I'm walking back, and he says, hey, the guy's leaving um, do you want me to follow him? I said, yes, follow him, figure out where he's going. <laughs> so he, he walked into the, the union and went into a little room where it said, you know, dining services. So Drake figured that out. And I get there with my Bibles. And I said, where is he? And he said, well, he went in there. And I said, okay, God wants us to give him a Bible today. And so we stood outside the door until another lady went out. And we said, excuse us, do you know of an Afghani man that's working in there? And she said, Yeah. Could you get him for us? Okay. And she went back in, and she brought out not one, but two Afghani men <laughs> who were working in the LSU dining services. And so Drake started talking to the guy on the right. His name is Saheed. And then I, I continued talking with Dawood and gave him the Bible. I showed him the different Bibles, and he found the one that was Farsi, and he just lit up his smile, and he had something in his mother tongue. The other gentleman, he spoke uh, Pashto, which is, I think, the most common language in Afghanistan, didn't have anything in Pashto, but actually now I do. And so the next time we see him, we're going to give him a, a, a Christian book uh, that kind of relates the Islamic celebration of Adha, which is their commemoration of when Abraham sacrificed his son. They do a celebration, and they often sacrifice animals, like Abraham was going to sacrifice a ram. You know, the story, it's, it's, it's a little bit twisted, but they connect in this story how that sacrifice and the sparing of Abraham's son relates to God sending Jesus, and that we were spared through his sacrifice. Anyway, it's a beautiful text, and we have it in his language, and yes, we're going to see him again. These guys didn't just come uh, back to the international dinner that same night. They, they came to the BCM, as we see the picture there, but uh, we offered them a, a ride to church on Wednesday night. I don't know if any of you got to meet them, but they came to the dinner on Wednesday night here, first time to church, you know, and it was, it was exciting for them. I'm sure a little bewildering at times. And the language barrier is still there, but we're using Google Translate to speak right into their languages. 
and uh, they want to come back for ESL classes too. So it's just it's, it's an incredible opportunity there at LSU to meet people from all over the world. So I know you can't see these countries, um, this map, but I did take the time to actually click on every single one, either with purple or what looks like green, but yellow was <laughs> cold. And it is the uh, countries that we know we have reached with the gospel through the ministry at LSU. How do we know we've reached into them? Because we have talked to people and we ask them, where are you from? And then we tell them about Jesus. So I want to just read the countries that we've reached through LSU. And this is becomes because they come to LSU as a student, as an international student. Listen to this. Iran, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Jordan, Turkey, Egypt, China, Taiwan, Palestine, India, Nepal, Senegal, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, Nigeria, Kenya, Namibia, Rwanda, Ghana, Honduras, Guatemala, Mexico, El Salvador, Ecuador, Venezuela, Bolivia, Philippines, Russia, Bahamas, Brazil, Cameroon, United States, and Canada. And listen, listen to the first 11 one more time. These are closed countries, y'all. These are places where you would get imprisoned or killed if you went out there and tried to do this. Iran, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Jordan, Turkey, Egypt, China, Palestine, which is the, the West Bank, India, Nepal, and Senegal. But they're here in the United States where it's free <laughs> to hear the gospel. And we don't have to be afraid of sharing with them. Some of them say, look, don't talk to my fellow students from my country about Christianity. I'm very interested in it, but I don't want them to know right now because we fear for our safety if we go back. We fear for our family's safety, and we don't know if there are spies. Now, I, d I highly doubt, but that's the problem with these countries. They send spies around the world to keep track of their uh, exchange students sometimes. And so we have to speak into their life about the perfect love that casts out fear and that Jesus will protect you and share with them that we're here for you. And if you want to confess Christ and believe in him and get baptized, that is a huge step for someone from these countries. And uh, it's slow work. You have to build relationships. You have to show them the love of Christ intentionally and speak to them about the Lord many times. But what attracts them to Christianity is not so much your ability to describe the theology of the scriptures accurately. It's the love that they see amongst each other and demonstrated towards them. That touches their heart. That is in grave contrast to what they experience from their homeland or their religion that they grew up in. And so we praise God for these countries, and we know there's even more that are represented there. Um, but if you uh, have heard about the tailgate outreaches, this is just a picture from last year's outreach right there on campus before one of the football games. Uh, we've been doing this for years and years, going out with a big pot of jambalaya. I think we passed out over 600 plates of food to the um, tailgaters, the pastor buyers. A lot of them were students, but others who were just... Uh, coming in town for the game and had gom uh, the gospel was passed out, the book of Romans, testimony tracks, um, a cookie in every bag. So like I said, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these went out. Um, this is a big effort. We could use your help, of course, when we do it again in the fall before the football game. Another thing that we've done at LSU this year for the first time is had a worship night that Wesley Hart, uh, God put it on his heart, and he got together a group of these uh, musicians, these singers from our church, and boy, they sang. They, they, they blessed the Lord right there at the Greek amphitheaters in the heart of the campus, right in the heart of the secular mindset in Baton Rouge. 
Jesus Christ was lifted up unashamedly. People were there worshiping and gathering, not just from this church, but people from all over. And it was, it was a wonderful time. We're going to do it again in the fall. But just keep in mind that while that is going on, people are walking around the campus. They're wondering what's happening. Here's just a couple of uh, encounters that we had pictures of that were going on there. I think Cindy's on the right. But these Asian students, they weren't coming to the event, but we went out to them. And again, minister the gospel. Andrew Wilkes got to speak to a man who was brokenhearted over his family falling apart. He said he was an atheist, but... He was so brokenhearted that he allowed Andrew to speak strongly and firmly and lovingly to him about the gospel and about the way of salvation, the healing that his family and his life needs. So we had testimonies like that going on in the midst of this, this worship night. And so um, you might ask the question, so what can I do? And I'm glad you asked. If you didn't ask that question, I hope you will. <laughs> because um, the group of us that go out regularly, we need your help. And it doesn't mean you have to join us. We understand that, that most people cannot come out there on a lunch break and give out the, the gospel bags. But most important thing you can do is pray. 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 Pray for revival at LSU. You could set a reminder on your phone every day at noon and lift us up. Whether we're there or we're not there that day doesn't matter. We, we, we ask for your prayers. We ask for greater anointing. We ask for greater divine appointments more favor with the university of whatever we want to ask them that we can do there. But we need uh, to, to seek the Lord that revival can break out. Do you know the United States has a history of revival at universities? Not just Christian universities, but often secular universities. And we <clears throat> believe in that God wants to do it at LSU. There's no reason he can't if his people will be prepared for it, to take in the harvest. So there are also students that need transportation to and from church. A lot of times the international students do not drive. And so um, they want to join us here. They want to get back into a church maybe. And so if you can help spread that burden, if you live anywhere near the LSU area or you'd like to be involved in that, please see me um, because we'll just, you know, if, if there is a need, we could at least have some more people to contact to see who can help with that. Um, please help us to serve at the BCM International Dinners on Mondays at 5 to 6 p.m. Like I said, that starts back first week in June, and we'll run through the, the, reg- the summer school and also through the regular semesters. Great opportunity to re- reach people from all over the world. So many of these flags are represented when, when we go out there. Um, and if you'd like to have a partner, an international student, uh, become a partner family, I should say, then you can sign up for that through the BCM, and they need, they need Christian families that are willing to share life with a student who's never been into an American home before, has probably never had a born-again friend in their life, and they're so open to it. A lot of these international students, they're not 18, 19 years old. They're 32, 35 years old. They're mature. Some of them have families that are also living here with them. And wouldn't it be a shame? They spent two, three, four, five years in Baton Rouge and never once stepped foot into a Christian's household, never had a born-again friend. Well, you can, you can make that impact in someone's life. Statistics show that 80% of them never will, okay? But pray about it. Join us also as we hand out the bags. Um, if you feel like, ah, oh, man, this is something I'd love to do. I see the fruit of it. I see the, the opportunity, the open door, but I just don't feel equipped. If they were to take a bag from me and they're turn, turn around, they'd say, what is it? I, I think I would just tell them it has some candy in it and, 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 and wouldn't know what to say. If you need some training, we are more than happy to help you get equipped in the ways of the gospel. Yes, number one, get filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and be filled with the love of Christ for other people. But there are ways that you can be skillful and tactful in your approach 
towards people at LSU. We'd love to share that with you and to help you get some experience under your feet, which is the main thing you need, just to get out there and do it. And you'll see, I can do this by the grace of God. It's not as intimidating as it often seems to people. Um, help us to develop an outreach website with testimony videos. If you have any technical skills, we would love to have some support on that. This is a shoestring operation. Um, notice I'm not asking for your money, okay? <laughs> you give money to the church. If we need anything, the church has been there to support us. But this is a very low-budget operation at this point. It, it's, it's not your money that we want. We want you, okay? So, when we have another tailgate outreach, sign up, serve. Um, be there for worship night the next time we have it there. We need help setting it up, taking it down, and of course, continue to lift us up in prayer. And uh, it goes without saying, we need help filling the bags every once in a while. So, um, you know, when we get together, if we're giving out a thousand bags every two months, that's a lot of these things to pack up. But if we get a good team together, usually we do this before Sunday night prayer, and you can come out there and just help us uh, stuff these bags, set us up to go for a while. That is much appreciated. Here are these wonderful people, Trudy and Sue and Mr. King, who did it recently before we went out to Southern. And uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to have the whole body of Christ to be there in one shape or form or the other. Um, amen. So this is the conclusion of the slideshow. I hope it gives you a little bit more of a taste of what we've been doing there. Because Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we have found an amazing body of water where the people are hungry and the fish are ripe. And it takes a lot of work to clean them up. And <laughs> just like you would clean up any fish. And sometimes you got to do what it says uh, John and James were doing. This is back in Mark 1. Says going on a little further, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and followed him. Um, so, yes, we want to go out and fish for men, but what if your net is full of holes? <laughs> you don't catch any. There are ways to mend it. There are ways to get that net secured. Okay, and we want to be effective in our efforts to go out to LSU, but we don't judge everything before the time. As you saw in those pictures of the people that had received the bags, had had a conversation, and initially they were hardened towards it. They received it multiple times and weren't interested in praying to receive Christ. But the second time, the third time, the fourth time, something changed. And because we were there again, they could talk to us about the Lord and receive Christ. So it's a continual going back to this lake, going back to this pond, going back and believing that today someone's going to get born again. I may not see it. They may take a gospel bag back to their room. Their heart is heavy. Their schoolwork is overwhelming. They're having relational issues, and they fall on their face before God, and they say, God, I'm, I'll surrender to you now. And they find a local campus ministry, such as the Refuge, um, and began attending there. And we encourage that. We know that it's unrealistic to expect all the students that want to follow Christ to come to First New Testament when we're 15 minutes uh, away, and there are some good ministries right there on campus, which we support. But be praying for this. Final thing I would say is that God has put on Pastors Lee's, Lee's heart, and many of us too, 
to ask him to open a door so that we can have a place at LSU. When I say a place, I don't know exactly what that entails, but some kind of property on the, on the campus, right off the campus, where we can be there to disciple students, okay, to have a base of operation. Do you see the need why that would be beneficial? We're reaching this many students, and so many of them are interested in following up. And you know how it is with student ministry. If you don't, they'll say they'll follow up with you. They say they'll want to continue. But if you're not there and back present, they're not going to track you down. They're not going to drive all the way across town, especially if they're out of town. They don't know this, this, this church to come here. We want them to, but how much more if we were there for them? And we have people that are willing to go and serve at LSU and be there as a part of it. And right now, it's very difficult to find a place, find property, find affordable uh, lease space or anything like that. But I'm asking if you would join us in praying that God would give us a place that we can kind of hang our hat at LSU and be right there in the campus. It would open up even more opportunities and possibilities to catch these fish and to clean them, okay, through discipleship. And uh, that's just the goal. I mean, you know, you say, what if... You've heard these messages that I, I, I talk about sometimes. Lee has talked about being addicted to the ministry. Felix got up here the other week and talked about being a disciple maker, um, going out and preaching the full gospel, you know, with signs and wonders. What if you're not currently addicted to the ministry? What if you're not currently a disciple maker? What if you don't minister the gospel to other people, let alone with signs and wonders following, you know? What if you're not a part of any outreaches at our church currently? And you have all these things in your life that you feel disqualify you or weigh you down from even making a step in that direction. What if you don't have a habit of joining the choir of praise in the altars and you feel weighed down? You are a majority of our body, loved one, whoever you are. But you're also part of the answer of making the minority the majority when you become engaged, when you step out and see the need and pray about what God would have you to do and step out in faith, this is all Lee asks for you to, to ask the question. When God puts something on your heart, it doesn't have to be LSU, but he asks you, consider, is it biblical? Does it require faith on my part? Meaning, you don't feel qualified for it, as I don't. I never feel sufficient for this ministry. I never go out there without getting nervous. I always say, God, are you going to show up again? Because if you don't, I'm going to make the biggest fool of myself and this will be a waste of time. It requires faith on my part to take that step and go out there and everyone else would say the same thing, I'm sure. Will it benefit the body of Christ? Yes, absolutely. And there are Christians that we're benefiting by going out there too. It's not just the lost students. We minister to Christians. We talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I never heard about that. And then will it glorify God? If those four conditions are met, then you can trust that God is calling you to do something in the body out there. And that's what we need, y'all. And you can become addicted to the ministry. You can start being a disciple maker. You can start ministering the gospels to others and believe God for signs and wonders to follow. I need growth in these areas too. I'm not up here setting myself as the example. I'm here just encouraging you to come and follow us as we follow Jesus, wherever that takes us. Because the opportunities are there. And your life will never be better spent than when it's spent and given for the sake of others. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know if anyone's going to close this out with a song, but would you pray with me right now and reflect on what God's doing right here in our own city?
reaching the nation from LSU, reaching the nation in our community, reaching the nation through ESL, going into the prison ministries, going to the abortion clinic and praying for an end to that. And would you ask the Lord to show you where you can contribute your life? You are a unique person. Your giftings, your callings, they're irreplaceable. There's no one that can do the work that God has assigned for you to do. No one that is quite unique like you are and can speak to people that I can't speak to and have the same effect that you would. And you can speak to people that you can relate to. Sometimes it's hard to believe that the students want to hear from us, especially as we get older and more and more detached from that generation. Um, sometimes having children and raising children and ministering to them which is your primary ministry while you have them in your house can overshadow the thought of the people out there and we become lukewarm or we, we lose our fervor for the gospel that we once had and we say can I get it back Lord can I get back to where I used to be when I, now that I don't have the children in the household maybe how can I get back into serving you and to reaching other people's children that are lost and astray? And let me tell you, God can more than do that. It takes faith, yes. And it takes repentance if we've been going towards the world and forsaking the lost around us for too long now. But Jesus has a way to get you back. And I'm just praying that I don't, I don't, want 20 people to sign up for LSU. Now, that's not why I'm, I'm here speaking this. I want each one of you to just ask the Lord to show you what He has for you as far as reaching the lost in our community, discipling the new believers, and giving your life more fully to Christ. We all only have 24 hours a day, so that means something's got to go if Christ is going to take a little more time. And so consider where that is. Ask Him to give you a greater capacity for the things of God, a greater joy in ministry, a greater sense of how to find that resting place and that refreshment in Christ. So Father, I just lift up this body to you, this group of sheep. They are beloved by you. Call them by name, and you have a plan for their lives. And I just ask that they would hear your voice, they would do what they see you doing, and they would say what they hear you saying and go out and become a fisher of men by your grace, by your transformation in their lives. None of us can do it ourselves, Lord God. We are needy of your grace and your power.